Hey, it's Sarah and welcome to the Life as an Experiment podcast where we talk about topics like personal growth, relationships, career, productivity, spirituality and so much more. Drawing on lessons from psychology, research, pop culture, books, social observations and our own experiences. The aim is to reflect on our lives and try out new tips, hacks and strategies that can make our life that much better. Hey everyone! As you know, um, you know, if it's something that all of us actually have in common, is that we all engage in some form of negative thinking from time to time. And while these thoughts actually go away on their own, if you constantly find yourself in a perpetual spiral of negative thinking, over time, you might actually find, you know, find it very difficult to actually let go of these uh, negative thoughts. And it's actually hard to break out of that negative spiral or thought pattern, right? And because we are so used to having this pattern of thinking, a lot of the times we actually don't even know that we are actually in this pattern of thinking. Okay, so like, as with many things, um, the first step to actually really recognizing that we are in the midst of a negative thought pattern is actually awareness and being aware of our minds when it is in this spiral of negativity and being aware can actually really help us learn how to deal with it much better, right? So today, um, I'd like to talk about the 13 different types of cognitive distortions underlying negative automatic thoughts. Okay, so cognitive distortions are actually habits of thought or patterns of thought that are inaccurate and biased, which develops over time in response to trauma, or negative or adverse experiences. So these inaccurate thoughts are usually used to reinforce negative thinking or emotions. Okay, so we end up telling ourselves things that sound rational and accurate, but really only serve to keep us feeling bad about ourselves. Right, so actually, in a way, it's our mind's method of protecting ourselves or protecting us, but actually, it continues to perpetuate our bad feelings. Right, so credits for this um, list of 13 different cognitive distortions goes to King's College London, where I actually did my psychology and neuroscience masters, and um, which is also where I actually learned at length about cognitive distortions, um, depression, and, and mental health. Um, and credits also goes to David Burns, the author of the Feeling Good Handbook, where I got this list from. Okay, so... Um, in this episode, I'll talk about the 13 different uh, cognitive distortions like I mentioned. And in the next episode, I'll introduce the 10 different ways in which we can deal with or overcome these negative, um, these cognitive dis distortions over time. Okay, so without further ado, let's dive right into it. So the first cognitive distortion is the all or nothing thinking. Okay, so it's dichotomized reasoning, polarized thinking, black and white thinking. So this is the first distortion and a description of it. So it's thinking in a polarized way, good or bad, positive or negative, accepting only extreme interpretations or outcomes with no middle ground. Right? So an example, if I can't do it perfectly, I might as well not bother. This job is terrible. Everything about it is bad. So I personally subscribed to this um, cognitive distortion quite a bit when I was younger. So if I actually had negative experiences with someone or with a situation, I tended to think in, you know, a black and white way. So it's either good and bad, 
um, positive, negative, it's never like middle ground. But what I've actually come to realize, um, you know, with life experience and all that, is that many situations and many people, um, you know, there, there are actually shades of grey with them. Okay, there's, there's actually the good and bad. Um, there's actually, you know, some things in between. And it's usually not really that cut and dried. Okay, but if you find yourself constantly, you know, seeing people and seeing situations in a all on in a in a all or nothing, black or white, you know, this or that sort of thinking, um, it can actually, you know, it can actually lead to certain consequences over time where you're actually boxing things up into um, you know, you're putting things in different boxes and kind of you know, perhaps even stereotyping the situation or stereotyping the person without actually, you know, allowing for the things that are in between to actually come up, right? Um, yeah, and so that's the first distortion. The second distortion is uh, emotional reasoning. It's making judgments and decisions based on a dominant emotion that you have at that point in time. So an example, I am anxious, so I will not go to the job interview. Okay, so for emotional reasoning, it's um, it's actually very, very common with people who use uh, emotions to make decisions, which isn't anything wrong with that because I do make um, decisions based off emotions as well, especially when it comes to food. Um, but when it comes to very big ticket items or very important um, situations or, or, you know, tasks that we have to do in our lives, if you're constantly using emotional reasoning to actually get by, um, we can actually be, you know, um, stopping ourselves or, you know, creating barriers for ourselves to actually advance in the way that we want to in life. So, if, for example, if, you know, like in the example I gave, um, if you're anxious and refuse to go for a job interview or if you're anxious and refuse to give a presentation, you know, you're kind of actually stopping yourself from finding out more about yourself, finding out more about a job which could, you could possibly actually like. Um, and you're also actually stopping yourself from, you know, perhaps even developing professionally, you know, if presentations were a big part of your job. And, um, yeah, it actually stops you from, from, from actually finding, you know, new things out about yourself and growing in new ways, right? So that's emotional reasoning. And the third cognitive distortion is labeling, okay? So it's a form of emotional reasoning that confuses an emotional state with. So, an example is, I feel stupid, therefore, I am. Okay? Um, this is something that we, you know, possibly can relate to as well. You know, so for example, if, you know, we are asked to do something and we don't feel capable, um, or if we are asked to, you know, um, we have to go through something and we don't feel very confident. So, you know, we, we tell ourselves things like, okay, I, I don't feel... I don't feel confident, I don't feel smart enough, I don't feel good enough, therefore, um, I am not, right? So the, the, the conclusion at the end is actually the key here. So it's, it's sometimes we do feel, you know, we do feel a little bit, you know, not really up to standards, we don't really feel very confident in ourselves, but it's the conclusion that, you know, leads from that feelings. So in a way, if we are constantly labeling ourselves based off our emotions or based off the feelings that we have of ourselves, we could actually be self-handicapping. And what is self-handicapping? It's basically, you know, putting yourselves or putting ourselves down and putting ourselves in situations where, you know, you, you actually prevent yourself from doing something that you actually could. So that's kind of like, a, that's another psychological concept which I may talk about in another, uh, in another episode. 
But when we actually label ourselves and label ourselves and lead ourselves to conclusions based off negative feelings of ourselves, it's actually not super great in the long run and could actually even affect growth opportunities in our lives. Um, it could even affect you know our self-worth and our self-image. Right. The fourth con uh, cognitive distortion is mental filtering or selective abstraction. Okay, so it's selective attention to negative evidence, memories, or interpretation whilst ignoring the positive. Okay, so an example of this is drawing conclusions about your ability in a subject based on the result of a single recent test and ignoring previous test results. Okay, this is, again, very, very common. Um, you know, when, when even sometimes nowadays, when although I'm a little bit older now, um, I do find myself sometimes, you know, judging my performance at work or judging my performance on something just based off, you know, certain pieces of, um, certain pieces of evidence or taking, you know, certain situations which I didn't perform as badly and using that as, you know, the kind of the, the gauge for everything else and completely discounting the fact that I actually did really, really well in many, many other, you know, previous, um, uh, work performances or previous work situations. So you might actually find yourself doing this as well. So, you know, whenever you actually look at your performance or anything, or you kind of, you know, try to take stock of a situation that you're in, um, you know, it could be an examination, it could be a certain subject, and then you tell yourself like, oh, you know, I, you know, I'm not smart, I'm not good in chemistry because, you know, I, I scored a, a 40 upon 100 for my previous test, but you completely discount the fact that in previous 10 different tests and examinations, you actually, you know, scored really, really well. So it's also kind of, you know, taking, um, putting a lot of emphasis and a lot of stock into the one negative experience and using that to color all your other experiences, although your other experiences are actually really positive and, you know, it's, it's, it's that one anomalous negative experience actually doesn't um, really account for much. But yeah, that's mental filtering and I'm sure some of you do experience that as well. Right, and the next um, cognitive distortion is magnification, right? So it's increasing the significance or importance of a minor negative information or events. Okay, so an example of this is, I had a bad night's sleep. The rest of today is going to be impossible, right? So again, uh, whenever I read the examples, I actually find that I relate a lot to it. So again, it, this one, it's the same. So, you know, sometimes when we don't do well in something, okay, like for example, you know, we wake up in a day, we, we, go to, we go to school and then we kind of had, you know, like maybe um, a very angry exchange with someone in the car park or, you know, we had an angry exchange with a friend or with our, our partners or whatever it is. And then we think that just because we, you know, we started the day off like that, the rest of the day is going to be like horrible, right? Like every single thing that is going to happen from there is going to be bad. And um, even in the sleep example as well, sometimes when I had a really, really bad night's sleep, um, I just wake up thinking like, oh my God, that, that goes the entire day because it's going to be lousy just because I, you know, didn't get like my, my seven or eight hours of sleep. Right, so I think one thing that I've used to actually counter this is the despite, you know, the, the using the word despite. So, you know, I had a bad night's sleep, but in spite of that, the rest of today is going to be super amazing, right? Because um, for me, my experience with this particular distortion is that, you know, I don't really want to let one single event ruin my entire day or ruin my entire life. So it's, 
um, trying to also see that, you know, yes, I can have this not so great event that happened in my day, but I can still have many, many, many more um, positive events, you know, that can happen after that in spite of that one negative event, right? So, um, yeah, so, so magnification is probably something that, you know, it's pretty familiar to some of you as well. Right, um, the next distortion, catast- catastrophizing, sorry, catastrophizing. So it's an extreme form of magnification leading to a catastrophic uh, conclusion or anticipated outcomes, right? So an example of that is my boss said that I need to pay a bit more attention to detail in my work or I'm going to be fired. Okay, so uh, previously we spoke about magnification where, you know, we picked up one bad example and we feel like that gonna that's going to color our entire performance or entire day, um, you know, cat- catastrophizing sorry it's um it's really a very very extreme form of that so we use just one you know one particular example or we take one event and we you know tell ourselves that if we don't do this thing very well or if this things happen happens um then the worst possible thing that um we imagine you know to be would actually happen so we actually get fired we get um you know we we get screwed over in some way right so um the the outcome is always very 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 um huge and very very big and very threatening compared to the the you know the small event that actually kicked off the outcome so in some cases this is actually really the you know um the worst case scenario kind of thinking which well in certain times it does happen but i think that sometimes our minds or we ourselves we like to scare ourselves you know so we tell ourselves that you know if we don't do this or we don't do that you know oh my god you know if i don't i, I don't do this little thing my 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 teacher's not gonna be happy you know my colleagues is gonna hate me um i'm gonna ruin my future you know i'm gonna ruin my 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 career you know kind of thing so whenever you find yourself using words um that are very very threatening and they have a lot of very loaded negative emotion, it could actually mean that you are catastrophizing, right? So um, when you use things like, oh, ruin my life, I'm going to die, um, you know, uh, I'm going to be fired, this is going to be, I'm going to be dead, you know, things like that, where the, yeah, where it's actually very, very, um, very scary, the outcome, it's probably because you're engaging in a worst case scenario sort of thinking, and, you know, just to put things into perspective, whilst sometimes worst case scenarios do happen, most of the times they don't, right? It's just our way or our mind's way of just scaring us into action. But sometimes this um, doing this too much over a period of time is not very, very healthy um, and actually puts us into a very constant state of anxiety, which is not great. Right, so the next cognitive distortion, uh, minimization or disqualifying the positive Okay, so where a positive interpretation or outcome is acknowledged, its significance is trivialized as unimportant or unrepresentative. So an example of this is, okay, so I passed this test, but it was really easy and everyone passed. It doesn't mean anything. Okay, so if you actually come from certain cultures in the world, um, you'll probably be very familiar with minimization because I feel like it's a very cultural trait. And the culture from where I came from as well, it's actually very, very common to minimize um, wins and to minimize achievements um, and to focus too much on failures and mistakes, which I feel that in the long run is not great, all right? Because negatives, are, are, you know, or failures or mistakes are great because we learn from them, right? 
But the positives have also, you know, we also need to celebrate them. We need to actually acknowledge that and accept that we actually achieved something great, no matter great or small. Um, we won something or, you know, we, we performed really, really well. Right. So in, in a way, when you actually minimize your efforts and you tell yourself that it's a very small achievement or that it doesn't really mean anything, you're actually kind of minimizing yourself. You're keeping yourself very small. And um, because I'm subjected to this quite constantly in my own culture, I found that doing this over a period of time actually made me lose a lot of confidence in myself. And it also didn't really actually make me have a really, really good self-image because, you know, I felt that I wasn't really very capable um, I kept telling myself that, you know, if even if I did this, you know, other people could do it as well. But when I started, you know, working and, you know, I spent quite a few years in the, in the um, you know, as a professional, I realized that, you know, sometimes the things that you do are the things that you achieve. A lot of the times, actually, really, um, it's what other people actually can't achieve. You know, you think it's easy to you because it's something that you can do pretty easily, but it doesn't probably come very easily to other people. Um, and if it's something that you're good at, you really, really need to acknowledge it because um, in order to be a very balanced, healthy human being, it's important to acknowledge the, the, good, the good stuff and the not-so-good stuff about us. I think as a culture, sometimes we kind of focus too much on the not-so-good stuff and we forget that we are actually pretty fantastic you know, individuals and that we're pretty talented and we have all sorts of you know, things that we are capable and we are good at. So really, the takeaway is not to minimize um, your, your achievements, not to minimize your, your wins, your goals. Every single thing that you do or you think that is important is important, right? You don't need to compare it to anyone else. And, um, you know, by not minimizing yourself, you also, you, by not minimizing your, your, your achievements, I mean, you also don't minimize yourself in the process, right? So you actually maintain a very healthy um, self-image, right? The next cognitive distortion, personalizing and blame, right? So taking responsibility and blame for something that is not your fault, even when due to chance, bad luck, or where responsibility is shared, interpreting other people's actions as reflecting on you. Okay, so an example of this. The film was awful and everyone hated it. I ruined everyone's evening for suggesting it um, in the first place. John said, next time, let's just go out for a meal. So he was blaming me for ruining the evening. Okay, this one again. Oh my goodness, I actually can subscribe to all of these cognitive distortions, which is actually quite scary. Um, so for this particular distortion, um, again, I personally relate to it very well. Again, you know, if you come from certain cultures where blaming and, you know, shaming and kind of like taking up too much of responsibility is very common, then this could a, possibly be a, a cognitive distortion that you might actually have in your um, thought patterns, but you might not have actually been very aware of. Okay, so um, in personalizing and blaming, you actually, you know, you actually put too much of responsibility on yourself, Right you take responsibility for everyone's feelings, thoughts, and actions. And you think that you are the cause of what everyone is thinking or feeling or behaving, right? And like in the episode, uh, my earlier episode, I think it was episode two, where I talked about, you know, not taking things personally. Um, the key thing there is to, to realize, you know, that our thoughts, our behaviors, our speech, our actions belong to us. But the behavior, thoughts, and actions are in the speech of other people belong to them. It is their responsibility and we do not take ownership or responsibility for how other people feel. 
yes, you might have actually suggested, you know, a film that was, you know, going back to example, you might have suggested a film that was very awful and many people didn't like it, but it's not your fault. You know, you wouldn't have known that the film was awful. You know, and if, you know, your friend actually said that, you know, maybe let's just go for a meal next time. Maybe, you know, maybe he just wasn't very, very interested in the film in the first place, but didn't want to say it, right? Maybe he just, he just prefers, you know, um, having a meal because it's less hassle. You know, people have many, many different things for saying the things that they say and for doing the things that they do. And a lot of time, the time, it actually has nothing to do with us. But, you know, sometimes because of the human ego and the human mind, we always kind of, you know, um, take the blame. We kind of like taking the blame sometimes for other people's like like issues because sometimes in some, you know, sick way, the human ego actually, you know, by doing that, we actually feel important, right? But, you know, taking too much of responsibility for what someone else is thinking or doing, it's not going to be very healthy in the long run, right? I mean, imagine if, you know, you want to, you don't even want to suggest, you know, going out, you know, with, with friends anymore because you feel like any of your suggestions are bad. Or maybe you don't even want to contribute during a brainstorming session at work or in school because you think that your ideas are going to be awful and if, you know, the project, whatever, you know, doesn't, doesn't, um, doesn't go through or doesn't do well, then you blame it on yourself, right? But, you know, we don't really, we cannot really foresee the future and we cannot really predict what other people are going to react or think, you know, about something. So, you know, let's just be ourselves and let's just be chill about it. And, you know, we, we need to, as a society as well, stop, you know, taking on the responsibility of uh, other people's uh, feelings and behaviour and um, just focus on our own. Um, yeah, it will just make our lives so much easier and so much happier to live. Okay, right. Um... The next cognitive distortion, overgeneralization. So drawing general or negative conclusions from a single event or piece of evidence, right? So for example, I failed my driving test, I will never pass it. Okay, so it's, um, again, this is pretty common. So like taking one example from your, um, from your one single, you know, example, and then kind of telling yourself that you will never, you know, you'll never do well in it again. I see it very, very commonly in friends and in clients when they actually, um, you know, they, 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 they go on a date after a very long time of not dating or, you know, after coming out of a very long relationship. Um, they meet a guy or lady and then they say like, oh, and then it didn't go well, all right? But um, it didn't go well or like, you know, they got into a relationship, but the relationship, you know, ended really badly as well. And then they use that one example and say that, you know, um, you know, since I, my relationship or my dates, you know, uh, my dates didn't go well. So, you know, I'll probably never meet the, the guy or the lady that, you know, I want to meet, right? Um, but that's not true, you know, and it just, it takes a little bit of, you know, questioning to actually break down this, this um, illogical fallacy, all right, or this cognitive distortion, because um, one single event really, really cannot be used to generalize um, an entire, you know, um, an entire chain of events or an entire uh, life or an entire relationship, right? Um, life is made up of many, many, many events, and some will be good, some will not be not so good. But it's the, yeah, it's just life, you know, and using a single event to actually, you know, um, color how our entire experience is with something is um, not going to be good for us in the long run. Right. So the next cognitive distortion, shoots and odds. Right. So absolutist and inflexible thinking based on unrealistic expectations about our own behavior or that of other people. So an example of this. 
I ought to be able to get this right every time. He should have known that I would be upset without having to ask me. So, um, having, uh, you know, using words like should, could, um, must, need to, I ought to, um, these are all um, what I call rules, right? These are all the rules and the expectations that we place on ourselves and on other people. So whenever you, f- you hear yourself, you know, using the word should, um, ought to, you're expecting something, you know, to happen and that something hasn't happened, right? But um, this actually leaves us in a very disappointing place a lot of the time. You know, if you're expecting people to act, like people should act a certain way, he should know what I'm thinking, um, he should do this, he should do that. You know, it's it's expectations that we place on other people and most of the time we don't even actually voice out or communicate these expectations we just somehow expect people to you know read our minds and kind of do what we think that that they should do but um a lot of people firstly don't act this way because firstly they don't even know what you're expecting right um and you know a lot of people don't many people that I know don't do things out of malice you know a lot of people are not like that it's not malicious but you know, they, they have other motivations and other intentions. Um, and placing our expectations, unspoken expectations and rules on them actually, you know, makes up for a lot of very, very disappointing um, relationships, right? Because, you know, we are expecting something from them. They're not giving it, but most of the time, they don't even know that, that, that we have the expectation. So if you have, you know, um, you don't use like a lot of these words in your life, like should and ought to and all that, it's um, a good practice to actually catch yourself when you're using them. So for me, whenever I think about something or I'm angry and I'm like, you know, he should be able to do this. Like he should actually do that and not this, you know, but people don't usually act the way that you think that they should, right? So people act based on whatever they think is correct. So placing all these expectations and all these rules on each other, it's, yeah, it's just not going to make you feel very happy in the long run. And um, one practice is that you don't um, use these words often, right? Okay, so the next uh, cognitive distortion, jumping to conclusions or drawing rapid interpretations or making hasty decisions based on minimal and incomplete evidence, right? So for example, that's it. That's no point carrying on if you're not willing to talk about it now. Okay, so um, jumping to conclusions is something that I do quite uh, often as well. It might be something that you actually do as well. Um for me, I jump to conclusions a lot about people's characters, especially when I was a little bit younger. Um, so, you know, if someone did something, then it means something. Or if someone said something, then it means something, you know. And I usually, you know, when I was a little, like, younger, it didn't really, I don't really change my conclusion, right? So, in, I know it's very, it's a very naive thing to say, but it took a bit, quite a bit of life experience, you know, um, to actually, for me to actually, you know, say that, or to me, for me to actually realise that, um, People and situations are not that simple. Usually, you have to allow them to unfold organically and to allow them to actually naturally progress um, before you get, you know, different observations and different data points. So, you might be thinking that, you know, people acting like, okay, maybe he was he was a little bit, uh, he's a little bit abrupt in his emails. So, you, you, you kind of draw the conclusion that he's a very rude person. But actually, maybe he's abrupt for other reasons. Actually, when you get to know this person over a period of time, and you talk to him like, you know, lesser over email and more in person, you realise that he's actually a very, very polite person. He's very, very friendly, he's very approachable, etc. So, that's one example, right? So, 
it's very easy to jump to conclusions because in our minds, you know, um, our brains actually always want to classify things and, 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 you know, box things up. So it makes it easier for us to actually, um, you know, interpret or to approach a situation. But a lot of the time, um, a situation or a person is actually not that straightforward. And it actually requires quite a bit of, you know, getting to know the, 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 the situation, the process or the person a little bit better first before we can actually draw a very legitimate conclusion, right? So if you find yourself actually drawing conclusions about people or events in future, um, yeah, stop yourself. <laughs> Just stop yourself there and, you know, give yourself also that, that kind of leeway of time um, to, get to, know, um, to get to know things and people better, right? Um, the next example, uh, the next cognitive distortion, mind reading or conviction of knowing what another person is thinking or meant, even if contradicted by other evidence. So, for example, she said she really liked my gift, but I know she hated it. Okay, I engage in mind reading quite often. <laughs> um, I actually always kind of try and, you know, I, 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 I think that, okay, if someone says something, someone reacts a certain way, then it means something, right? Again, it's kind of similar to jumping conclusions, jumping to conclusions and kind of similar to actually taking things personally because honestly, um, you can't really tell what someone is actually really thinking, right? I mean, honestly, um, even if you sometimes you ask someone, um, they can choose to be actually, you know, they can choose not to tell you or they can choose to be actually pretty dishonest about it. So actually, um, yeah, so actually trying to, you know, um, mind read someone just from their expressions or their reactions or just from a couple of things that they are telling you is actually not really the truth sometimes. Um, there's always, you know, there's always sometimes other things that people don't really want to tell you or they don't really want to say. Um, there are also shades of grey in the situation, okay, um, which, yeah, which, which actually, when you actually think about it, um, mind reading is just one of the, the, the sort of easier distortions that you can try and get over. Yeah, because um, it's something that is, when you put it into practice, um, yeah, it just falls apart. I think the bit is about being convinced that you know what the person is thinking just based off, you know, certain non-verbal or verbal cues. But, you know, it's just about remembering that we don't really know what a person is actually really thinking or what a person is actually, you know, really going through unless they want to share it with you. Um, and even then, you know, there could be some, you know, limitations as to what they are sharing. So it's best just not to, um, you know, jump into conclusion, but it's best also not to actually be so convinced that we can actually read what is on their minds. Right, and the very last cognitive distortion for today, fortune-telling, a certainty about a, f a future possible. Right, so for example, there's no point in trying, I know what will happen if I do. Fortune-telling, again, is um, very similar kind of to it's actually all these distortions are quite uh interlinked and quite related to one another so it's kind of you know using again one event or try and like you know like 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 um you know perceiving things from your past and from your present and taking all those you know different pieces of information and then telling yourself that the future is not possible so for example like going back to the example about um you know my clients and my friends who actually have um relationship troubles it's some people just don't really have much um, dating or relationship experiences, but they actually kind of really tell themselves that they would they would not actually uh, have a relationship of their dreams because, you know, just because, right? 
um, and and they don't want to even try um, uh, getting into a relationship or try you know certain thing or it's uh, even even when when actually looking for jobs so you know people sometimes they want to leave their jobs and they want to actually look for a better job but they don't do so because they actually tell themselves that it's not possible at all to find a good job it's not possible at all to find a good boss so you know there's no point in trying but <laughs> it's very very difficult to predict the future okay um we are all not prophets or anything like that we can only hope for the best possible uh, uh scenario um and of course you know if we don't actually put ourselves out there um and experience a little bit of discomfort sometimes um we actually don't really know uh whether you know our hypothesis is correct or whether you know there's actually something better waiting for us right because if you don't try you don't know so, you know, my way of countering this distortion is I tell myself exactly that if you never th- you never try something, you never will know what, what the outcome is. And, you know, sometimes it's worth trying because you just never know what's in store for you, right? Okay, so that brings us to the end of this episode. Oh, it's been the longest episode ever. Um, we covered 13 very common types of cognitive distortions today, and I hope it was helpful. Okay, so just to recap, you know, the 13 different ones, um, all or nothing thinking, emotional reasoning, labeling, mental filtering, magnification, catastrophizing, minimization, personalizing and blame, overgeneralization, shoots and odds, jumping to conclusions, mind reading and fortune telling. So, um, yeah, so those were the 13. And do stay tuned for the upcoming episode on the 10 different methods of overcoming these distortions. Okay, so please leave a comment or feedback and um, do get in touch with me. Uh, I really, really love hearing from my readers and my listeners. So email me at abstractedcollective at gmail.com. That is abstract with an ED, collective. Or reach out to me on Instagram at abstractedcollective. And if you like the show, do tell your friend and please rate and review on iTunes or anywhere else you get your podcast as it can help others like you find it easily. Um, and I'm also starting to run uh, my coaching sessions and I'm starting to open some beta testing slots for my new courses as well. So please do check out the links um, in my in the show notes. And if you want some more information, just uh, go to my website at abstractedcollective.com. Right. So um, till next time, take care.